What's going on? We've got a surprise for everybody today. Hold on, hold on. Connor, start it over. It, it, what, is, what is that intro? You haven't changed that much. It's hello and welcome. You got it. So I'm, I changed I changed that because I say that every single time one of my family members calls me and I realize oh. I say that. <laughs> you say hello and welcome to the SDS podcast? That's an odd no, start. No, I say, I say, hey, what's going on? Okay. And I've always started like that. And I kind of realized that I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start the podcast exact the exact same way and treat it like it's a conversation. Well, so I, I apologize for already interrupting. It's just a tradition <laughs> unlike any other. I just wanted some nostalgia to start. It's good to see you again, man. Hello and welcome to the Saturday Night <laughs> South podcast. Is that better? And college That's fantastic. I have goosebumps right now. <laughs> Marler, Connor, back at it. We're going to recap everything that was in 2021 in the SEC. We've got some fun stuff today planned and we're going to get into all of it. I promise. But what's a 2021 recap pod without a little more talk about Georgia's quarterback situation. Oh my God. Do you want to just get that out of the way now? Cause we find out that JT Daniels is, is transferring Stetson Bennett is coming back. I know you've got a lot of thoughts on that. I do. And real quick, I, I just, I want to get this right off the top too, because we've done this. This is now the second recap pod, right? Um, reunion. And, yeah. Reunion. reunion pod. Pod, right. Reunion pod. And so the last one we did, just like always, like um, as soon as we got off the air, coach, or was it coach O or is it, yep, or was it, it was. yeah, he got, they, they announced that they were going to, you know, fire him at the end of the season. So just give me a prediction of what you think, what news is going to break while we're obviously doing it or while we're inevitably doing this. Ooh, uh, Brock Bowers opts out of his final two years of college. <laughs> He's good enough, man. I think it's a freak. Um, I'll say, I'll say Eric Gilbert transfer. Oh yeah, that's that's pretty good. I don't know if that would be worthy of no. of a of an off the top intro at this point. No, as weird fair. as that sounds, like that that just kind of feels like par for the course. Remember Eric Gilbert? Remember him? Yeah. I uh, gosh, He's the Easter Bunny man. I, somebody there was a Georgia fan that brought up to they're like like. We'll get into it, obviously, but the whole excuses thing in quotes that Bama fans are making. Um, and he was like, we, we were without Eric Gilbert. We lost Eric Gilbert. And I was like, Eric Gilbert was never part of that team. Like, <laughs> come on. The Pickens sure. argument. That's what you're supposed to say. Yes, that makes more correct. sense. That makes way more sense. But anyway, yeah. Um, well, let's talk about Georgia's quarterback situation. It's 2021. So this is the third calendar year we'll be doing it. It's wild to think about Georgia now with JT Daniels in the transfer portal. Georgia has had three different five-star quarterbacks enter the transfer portal. And for, for what it's worth, you're keeping track at home. Jake Fromm, um, we're not yeah. counting Jake Fromm as a five-star quarterback just because the final uh, the final composite ranking had him as, as a four-star just missing out. And he out wasn't that, that so good. Any, any, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> any, any future um, discussion about five stars, that, that's what we're basing this right. on. And you look at the situation, you're like, all right, this is so unique and there is nobody else in the country that is going through or has gone through anything like this. And you, you could say like, oh, what about, you know, Texas A&M? They had Kyle Allen and Kyler Murray enter the transfer portal in the same like month. And they were both five-star guys. They're like, all right, that's pretty crazy. You know, Oklahoma's kind of going through it with Spencer Rattler, Caleb Williams. No, 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 no. This is unique because Georgia in the playoff era, has brought in more five-star quarterbacks, former five-star quarterbacks, than anybody in the country. Four of them, if you're including Brock Vandegrift. So we're just going 2014 to 2020. Is that not with what's his name coming in this year? The um, the kid Butter from Stockton Reagan Gap. Not like he's just like Fromm though. He did it right. as a five-star guy. So we'll right. just 
so that we'll even like whittle it down even more so to keep it to just that group of four guys. Right. Nobody else in the country has had four five star Crazy. quarterbacks sign. I mean, like it's nuts. And think that three of those guys have entered the portal after one to two years on campus yeah. at Georgia. That in itself is just kind of crazy. Do and hard you remember, to I, I thought about this last night, knowing that we were going to do this episode and, and my attitude towards most things has changed. Like I'm a little bit, you know, now that we've like, we have our separate pods and stuff like that. And, and like, so for those that don't listen to cultural uncensored, which is like our new one, um, like I, I don't, it's not like a hate fest. I'm not like not saying it was before, but like, I'm not, people thought I was so hard on Georgia because I expected so much out of them. We had all these Marler rants, all that kind of stuff, but there was one episode and I, I almost hesitate to even bring it up. But do you remember the time that I said, if you're a five-star quarterback, how do you trust that Kirby smart is going to do the right thing by you? If you go there. And I said that saying like, like it has nothing to do with Kirby wanting to, like not or not being able to develop talent or evaluate talent or anything like that. But it has to do with the fact that that guy wants to win football games. Like that, that's, that's his number one priority. And you saw it this year and it played out pretty well. Might've been one of my only good takes I've ever made on the pod. So it's like, you know, I, I, but it's, it's kind of, it's bizarre. And you, you bring up the numbers. I didn't even know it was that I mean, more than any other team in the country. That's crazy. Yeah. And so that, that's why I, I don't necessarily think it's wrong for Georgia fans to have some angst. Now, mm-hmm. There's different. There's a difference between having angst and being legitimately upset that Stetson Bennett, a guy who just won your first national championship in 41 years, is coming back after, oh, by the way, becoming the third quarterback to ever beat Nick Saban in a national championship game. The first two being uh, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, didn't mean to go there. Didn't choose, didn't choose violence today. But that's the incredible thing is that on the surface – you would say, all right, a guy who finishes fourth in the country in quarterback rating, third in yards per attempt. People don't know that. People don't know that at all, do they? They don't want to, they don't want to hear any of that. But it's okay. So the part of it is because I think people want to be right. Oh, yeah. Like just just <laughs> that basic premise of mm-hmm. wanting to feel validated and mm-hmm. like you knew what was best. What I'm watching is what and what I'm saying I'm seeing is actually what's happening. Correct. Mm -hmm. And the version that many Georgia fans would have liked to have seen play out is the 2017 Alabama formula, wherein Mm -hmm. JT Daniels would have come in at halftime and done exactly what Stetson Bennett ended up doing in the fourth quarter. If JT Daniels had done that, we're having a different conversation. I can't imagine. (laughs) You know, here's the thing. And again, for those people that have not listened to the new podcast, I was I was at the forefront of, of kind of like making fun of the fact about the Kirby only starting sets in Bennett two years ago, because, because of the fact that I just didn't it, like the way that all of it came about, like you, his dad says, uh, JT Daniels dad says he's, he's healthy for game one. You find out he's not, then he comes in. And, and then what happened was the most typical Georgia thing I have ever seen in my life growing up in the state. And that's finishing the year after you're already out of contention, right? You finish the year on a high note. And all of a sudden, we're right back to where we want to be, where we always are, we're at that sweet spot, which is this next year's our year. Next year's our year. And, and like, you know, going, like he, he played four games and, and like, there's no doubt that like other people who've evaluated him that know a lot more about football than me cannot all be wrong. It's not like a Jamie Newman situation, I don't think. But it is also comical to watch this next person come in line and you've now dubbed them because it was Eason. They were, you know, go, going back, it was Stafford. 
and Murray and, and Eason and like, you know, all these people. And for Mark Ricks for one game, it was Fatone Bauta, never forget. But like you go into this season and I even thought I was like, it makes the most sense. This kid should have the best odds on the natty because he's, he's surrounded by so much talent and, and whoever was going to be the quarterback was going to put up big numbers. But halfway through the season, man, I just I, like, I'm there. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely happy for Georgia fans. Right. And this is uh, people might not believe that, but like, I'm genuinely happy for Georgia fans that they got to end that route. And, and we'll talk about it, the game in a second sets in, but I've never seen a fan base that has been this starved for a national chip, for a championship, for a title that matters. Yeah. And, and then yeah. also that has gotten their hearts ripped out so awfully. Like, and they've had to relive like Bama's version of the kick six over and over and over. And I don't think that other fans realize like how, how much of a toll that takes. And so for them to be complaining about, they kind of pinned everything on Stetson, everything all last year. Like, you know, he's, if we had a quarterback that was over six feet, we wouldn't have lost to Florida or, or, or Bama. Like, and then you go into this year, it's the same stuff, even though he's leading what it was one of the best, statistically one of the best teams in the last 25 years of college football, offense and defense. And even though Dewan Mathis was the the QB one to start off the year and Steph right. to save the day, people forget that, especially the Arkansas game where you, you it, clearly saw like right. he wasn't the guy. But this year there were so many examples where I was watching this game and you would hear, you know, some of our friends, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put them on blast, but like, you know, I said it yesterday, there were it was it, they didn't just slander him, but they they publicly were like doubting this kid all last year, all this year, after the Bama loss, and up until eight minutes left in the national championship. So like I I'm shocked that that kid doesn't have a chip on his shoulder and it's good that, you know, they don't. And this is also a small subsect of the Georgia fan base. I think like with most things, the majority of people are reasonable and rational. We just hear the the idiots are always the loudest. Right. Um, but there were so many times this year and maybe you, you know, remember this as well, but like where Stetson Bennett would come out and, and like the Kentucky game, I, we were getting texts at halftime saying like, we got to put in JT, like offenses that look good for, for whatever reason. They're playing like the number 11 ranked team in the country, 10 win team. And they come out in like the second half and he's five of five, all passes over 10 yards downfield, right down the field, touchdown. Like, I just game get- was a big one too. Being yeah. there. Oh man. Like, trust me when it, when it's like three to nothing and we're huh? looking around, like I kept saying, I kept saying to Perry, I'm like, Hey, when's JT coming in? When's JT right. coming in? And that, that growing feeling though, it's, it, it coincided in such a weird way. Mm-hmm. And the other thing to that, that I keep coming back to with Georgia, and this is a stat that I always bring up and why it, it felt so like do or die. And every drive is like, Hey, we're, we're breaking yeah. this down. We're examining this is because Georgia has not had a top 40 passing offense in the post Aaron Murray era. Really? Think about that. Yeah. Think about, think about that. Then also think about the fact that, Georgia has not had a quarterback drafted in the first four rounds since Matt Stafford, 2009. First four rounds is a that's bad four yeah. rounds. And, and so some of them aren't even you watched two leaders. Yeah, right. Exactly. You've watched two leave and do that. Yeah. And Justin Fields and Jacob Beeson. And now maybe JT Daniels will do the same exact thing. So it's like this weird thing though, in which the angst and the, and, and you're watching all these other programs around you have their five-star guys and Bama mm-hmm. takes that next step and Clemson takes that next step and everybody is, is, is trusting their five-star guys. Yeah. And Georgia, meanwhile, is doing it a little bit more like Georgia very much is doing it in their own way. And if that way doesn't pan out, then you'll look around and say, see, here's why right. this had to happen. And here's why you ultimately came up short yet again, you couldn't get out of your own way. So like, it's just such a, it's such a fascinating, um, it, just 
over like sociological study, yeah. the psychological study almost too, in the, the way that the game has gone in the past five to six years and knowing that Georgia has done it this way and did, by the way, modernize its offense. And yeah. that's probably the thing that's not getting talked about enough is that Todd Munkin comes in after the 2019 SEC championship where, look, we were there. It was a disaster. And Georgia, yeah. Kirby Smart realized that day we have to be able to develop and modernize this offense. So they finally do that and they do take that step. They just did it with the former two-star and the walk-on who wasn't going to be Baker Mayfield as an right. NFL prospect. So it's just it's well, very, very unique and there's no other comp to it. And, and I, I get it too, in terms of the fact that like, I mean, again, starved for a championship, you, you have just been like, it, like if it was baseball, right. Like, and, and you're like, okay, we have, we have the Cy Young winner, right. Or we have the guy who's predicted with the Cy Young winner and we're throwing out Charlie Liebrandt. I'm dating myself here, but like, I mean, like just like a, a crappy, not like saying sets was crappy, but that's Kevin happening. <laughs> let's just do the rest of the show. Just going down a wormhole of this. Um, no, but I mean, I mean like I get it. And, it. and again, it's very easy. Like, cause you have the best defense in the history of college football. You, you have like, like legitimately and, and all these numbers you're putting up. I, I remember doing a stat that was like there, they were going out of the regular season. And, and what was shocking was, Every, you heard about Bryce Young because Bryce Young was like in the same way that it's fascinating. You talk about how the Georgia's team, because it was like everybody and then Stetson. And, and people would like talk about like how, you know, Bama shouldn't be an underdog and have a chip on the shoulder. They're one of those talented rosters. And I'm watching that all year. And it's like they have Bryce Young and they have Will Anderson, who are the best two players in the country. Yep. like offense and defense and the rest of it is a shit show. Like that offensive line is awful. <laughs> but so, but it, it was fascinating to watch because then you get to the SEC championship and, and there's so many things that go on that we don't give credit to because we live in a social media world or world in social media where it's 160 characters to get your point across and everybody's angry and all that kind of stuff. And you're just constantly wanting to like fight, but like, let's not forget that Todd Munkin came in in a year, unlike any other, where he thought he had Jamie Newman was his quarterback. All of their meetings about putting in, installing a new offense were done like, like via zoom and stuff like that. You know what I mean? You know, me with technology, I can't imagine having to do that for a full <laughs> year. It'd be awful. And so it's like all these people, like there's just so many things that happened. And then you go into this year and I just thought they both did a tremendous job and people weren't talking enough about about Stetson going into the SEC championship and, and they had yep. this stat where they had averaged they, the margin of victory at the end of the season was 32.4. And that was one of, uh, one of five teams. One, I'm sorry. One of four other teams, four other teams before them, sorry. in the BCS era had averaged over 30 points per game margin of victory. And three of the four were 2018 Clemson, 2005 Texas and 2013 FSU. And those are teams that were kind of considered maybe the greatest of all time, like especially on paper. And it was, so it was, I just was kind of shocked. But then as soon as they lose that game, I, I get the doubt then, but then you come right back to the orange bowl and he does what he did. Done, he done all year. It's brilliant. Uh, yeah. It really was. I, the kid's a good quarterback. He is, he is developed in, I, I, he's a better player than he was in, in 2020. Like he, he definitely is. And despite yeah. what I was saying after the Alabama game that ended 41 to 24 again, and we all felt really stupid, this, <laughs> like, there's just something about it where you don't want to be wrong about the, you can I be did. wrong about the five. I, I want to be wrong about that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, know I thought Georgia was going to win too. <laughs> yeah. Like you don't want to be wrong about, um, 
you can be wrong about the five star, but you don't want to be wrong necessarily about the two star walk on all those things. Um, well, real, real quick, just one last thing about it too. I, I want to say that like, I, it, for me, it also became from a competitor standpoint, you get this cause you played sports too. It's like, look, I'm going with a guy that played. I, like I'm going with a guy that was like not complaining about an injury. I don't know the ins and outs of JT Daniels injuries. Like if it was a rib thing, that is hard to overcome and get completely healthy with. Cause it's just, you're constantly moving all that kind of stuff. But regardless of all that you rest, I'm going with the guy that got us here. And that is tough. And has played, it took a, a hit, like, you know, it took several hits and just got right back up, did it against Bama, did it against Auburn, all that kind of stuff. And, but I think that to speak to your point, when you talk about just how ridiculous of a story it is, you look at the, the, the quarterbacks that have won a national championship, the last 15. Okay. So that's dating back to 2005 in the Vince Young era. I did a deep dive on this and, and it was like out of the 15 before Stetson Bennett, you had four that were the number one overall player in the country. You had, um, I think six that were fives or six first rounders, seven were five stars. Um, nine were ranked in the top or 11 were ranked like in the top 100 or something like that. And, um, 11 first rounders as well. The lowest ranked, there's only four three stars and three of them were from Bama. So there's that. Um, <laughs> but like the lowest ranked quarterback ranking at a high school, like, so like at his position was Mac Jones at 18. There's no one else had won a national championship ranked lower than that. And then the lowest ranked uh, overall player ranking was Jacob Coker at like 511. Yeah. You compare that to what Stetson Bennett was. Stetson Bennett was the 104th ranked quarterback out of a high school and the 2,569th player in the country. So it's, it's, it's remarkable. It's incredible to think about. And look, I, I, I'm assuming Stetson Bennett is going to be the day one starter. Barring injury. So. I, at this point, I'd be surprised to see I'd be surprised to see Carson back on Georgia's roster at the yeah. start of the 2022 season. I think um, somebody that would have interest in the transfer portal is is likely going to be able to get it, especially now with these new rules, mm-hmm. undergrad transfers, in, intra-conference transfers, those can happen. That kind of opens up the market for him as well. So would not be surprised to see Carson back out. And then Brock Vandegrift and Gunnar Stockton are the two guys left in waiting. We'll kind of wait and see Arch Manning, how that whole thing plays out. And if George is going to be a part of that, like that's the other thing that could make this thing yeah. way more interesting in a couple months here. But I need um, Brock Vandergriff to transfer ASAP. I joked around off air saying I needed JT Daniels because I couldn't do this for a third straight year and make the argument. But like having a quarterback battle between Stetson Bennett, the fourth and Brock Vandergriff is just like, well, it's Stetson, it's Stetson's job. He won a national yeah. championship. There's nothing that can happen from now in the next seven months that's going to be able to change his standing with that right. team. I just right. don't think that anything can happen. And JT with saw the, the writing team. on the wall with that. That's with such a good team. point, dude. That's such a good point. With the team. And that was the big part with Stetson is that he earned the trust of that coaching staff. Mm-hmm. So, look, Stetson is trying to become the first quarterback to repeat as a national champion since. Oh, God. AJ McCarron? That's correct. Wow. Which is a crazy legend, huh? If Stetson yeah. goes out and gets a stupid chest tattoo, that's going to be a whole other problem. I just am not ready for like <laughs> talking about this like prep school crew team or lacrosse team with Brock Vandergriff and Stetson in the fourth and Gunnar Stockton playing third team. It's just like, uh, it's just it. Brock Vandergriff should be playing rugby or something, man. Without a doubt, He's, he is built for it. I, I'm I'm like low key excited for okay. hopefully Brock Vandergriff to be able to to play quarterback. Maybe at Georgia, we'll kind of wait and see how that plays out. Um, JT Daniels transfer destinations. Can we do that real quick? Yeah, I thought you made some really good points about this too. Like on on uh, on Saturday on South, our website. 
our company yeah. we work for. <laughs> the, the company we work for. Yeah. That, that whole thing. Um, I think that he's definitely like power five market. It's, it's going to be there. Um, if I'm JT Daniels, I am not going to any place in which it's like, ah, will he start? Won't he start? Right. The pitch is a huge, huge part of this. So obviously Ole Miss would be a place where, look, yeah, number one, you get a, hands down. Gotta be. And we'll kind of wait and see how that, maybe that'll be the breaking news at the top of this. We'll find out like, oh, Jackson Dart, he's committed to Ole Miss or something like that. Um, as of this recording, which is uh, – Today's Thursday. This is 2.50 Eastern time. Um, no developments on that. Maybe we'll kind of wait and see the way that that plays out. But Ole Miss would be a place that if I'm JT, yeah. I have to think long and hard about it. I'd also consider a place like Mizzou because oh. think about this. I get it. You know, the Brady Cook thing. Like, I think people kind of freaked out about that. Like, dude went, I think they went, what, 56 minutes in between touchdowns against Army? Like what, what are we doing? You think I watched that entire game? As no, I went to sleep. That was yeah, that was tough. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. So the, the Mizzou thing, like everybody was all shocked when Kelly Bryant went to Mizzou mm-hmm. um, a, a few years ago, and it's like, well, you get a chance to, to work with Eli Drinkwitz, and like you get to play still in the SEC. It's about it's about getting starter reps. Like you can right. be, become an NFL quarterback playing in the SEC. It doesn't matter. Drinkwitz Drinkwitz wasn't there with Kelly Bryant, was he? No, he wasn't. So different coaching staff, right. and that's 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 part of this. But I think he would have a legit pitch to make. And also keep in mind, Luther Burden, yeah, five star who just showed up there, and the Mookie last, Cooper. Yes, Mookie Cooper as well. The last thing you want if you're if you're Eli Drinkwitz is the idea of him being one and done there. Yeah, because that kid would have a ton of offers. And now that these you can transfer as an undergrad. Like that, mm-hmm. that's something you have to consider. And you, that sense of urgency has to be there for that program. So like that's, that's a, on the Mizzou side, that would make sense. And then like Notre Dame makes sense to get yeah. to go play for Tommy Reese. They have a quarterback situation where they got like two young blue chippers, but you know, kind of wait and see how that said. I, I said always, I mean, yeah. <laughs> like I, I tell you what, it, cause the thing is too, and we, we, people forget about this, but and it's not a knock on the kid. I'm not saying anything bad because people have, everyone has, you know, visions of grandeur coming out of high school and all that kind of stuff. If you're a five star kid, was Gatorade national player of the year, right? As a junior. As a junior. That's ridiculous. So, and, and he comes out of this quarterback factory where you've seen everyone else, you know, like, I think it's the same school as Bryce Young, right? And so, day, yeah. and, and so his, his whole plan though was I'm going to USC. I'm going to play for three years and then I'm going to the NFL. Like that was the reasoning behind where they wanted to go out of high school. And that's get to the NFL after three years. And so now you're going into year four of being in college and things haven't like worked out. Well, you got to make a really good decision. I'm shocked that we don't talk about Texas more. I know that I'm like probably just banging the drum for Sark way too much because of how he did with all the talent he had at Bama. I just think he's one of the best offensive mind. I think he's the best offensive mind in, in football, like in college football at least. And I don't know their quarterback situation. I know it probably wasn't good. Since Casey they won Thompson five games. just left for Nebraska. Right. So then, yeah, I mean, like I, I think, and you're bringing in also a lot of talent. Like you're bringing in Jaleel Billingsley coming out of the transfer portal. Quinn Ewers though. Oh God, never mind. Yeah. I wish we would have stopped earlier. Yeah. Otherwise, I would have included Texas. I because yeah. I like I, you're exactly right. All those points you made up, but the fact that they went with Quinn Ewers and he's yeah. coming back there, That's that fair. would probably hold that up. How about Baylor though? Baylor would be interesting. I mean, they they had an offense, I feel like, that was more based on like a run pass option, like with like the quarterback, like, like their quarterback, I thought was like a little bit more like in watching the Oklahoma game, which is the only game I watched. 
Oh, the oh, so yeah. I mean, in the Sugar Bowl, you kind of saw it too. Yeah, like, against Ole Miss with Bohannon. Gary Bohannon was recruited to be a linebacker at LSU, right. and Blake Sharpen. He's the guy. Like it, it would be technically like those guys are battling, but Baylor's going to start as a, probably a top ten team in the country. I think they should mm-hmm. be like borderline top five to start. You're saying, you yeah. You get to play for Dave Aranda. Like you get, you get a pretty fit, like you have four or five starters back on the offensive line. Like, man, I, I tell you what, dude, like it, it honestly with Lincoln Riley gone and like the big 12 being kind of more wide open, yep. but also like, I'm assuming defenses. they're going to be, a, it, it would be nice for him to kind of fly under the radar a little bit yeah. and just put it like, I think what would be great for JT Daniels is if he goes out even out West somewhere and just puts up like a ridiculous season. And we are like, forget about him until like Halloween weekend. And we're like, Oh, JT Daniels is a potential Heisman candidate. Like he's doing great. JT Daniels goes to Cal and does that. Cal, Cal is interesting. That school Cal. is the worst. Yeah. It does seem like a little, like bit. their football stadium is, remember I told you, we walked in there that one time and it was just yeah. like, Ugh. yeah, but yeah, this could be a, a good bit spot. But, <laughs> also but, like a very yeah, good academic great. school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All those things. But you know, he's obviously everybody's going to make the California connection there yeah. and very different part of the country than where he hails from in Irvine. But at the same time, like go to a place where, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff, and yeah. they need to court the Jack Plummer just went there, the Purdue transfer. So there'd be, there'd be competition, but like he still has two years of eligibility. Mm-hmm. So technically JT can go there and start. But I just kind of thought those would be some interesting potential destinations yeah. for him because guy's going to have a market and Georgia fans have to brace for the idea that he could have a really good year, mm-hmm. end up putting up crazy numbers, go to the NFL and you're kind of going to be left. Like, but I don't All think right. it'll matter as much. Cause it's like, I know, the Justin Fields thing is it, it was, again, we've said a thousand times, we don't need to get back into it. Kirby, it's hard to make a different decision than go with the freshman who was also of borderline five-star that took you to a national championship. Yeah. It's, I mean, I just like, but then when Justin Fields goes up in a totally different offense, it puts up 40 touchdowns and one interception and it's a top, I don't know. How do you feel about Justin Fields? You're a Bears fan. I mean, cautiously optimistic. Oh, it's, it's not nice the player, to see him struggle. <laughs> it's not the player. It's the pieces around him that terrify me. The coaches. I'm um, gone. Thankfully. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a little bit worried given his surroundings and given yeah. just the McCaskey family and that whole ownership group and their entire idea of what football is supposed to be run like. But that's a different discussion for, yeah. <laughs> for a different We'll time. do a whole but McCaskey yeah. family episode sometime later in the summer. It's a whole thing. I think Virginia McCaskey is 99 years old. I don't even know who that is, but if her name's Virginia, there's, she's got to be at least over 83. That's like a rose. Meet Virginia. Shout out train. Oh God. Oh God. Yeah. We went there. <laughs> Um, do you want to recap some, uh, some 2021 stuff? Yeah. Um, let's do it. it. So personally, no, I'm kidding. Uh, we'll talk about the college football season. Um, where do you want to start? I mean, like it just, it, it was, I thought an incredible year where everyone was wrong. Like for the most part, it seemed like, like in the start of the season, some of these teams that we thought would be top five, top 10, just off the bat. Like Oklahoma oh, yeah. struggling with Tulane and then Tulane is shit. They're awful. And then it's like all these other, you know what I mean? Like I, I just thought that what, what were your like biggest, maybe, I don't know, surprises, I guess. Tough year for takes overall. Tough year for takes. <laughs> but um, I, you picked Georgia to win the national title in the preseason, right? 
I had Georgia losing to Clemson in the national championship. Ooh, so tough, okay. tough year for takes. Yeah. I had Clemson. Georgia winning and it was, but it's also technically it's like the fourth straight year that I've done that. So I finally got it right. right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I no longer have to have to throw that out there Thank and then just duck. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm excited about that. Like to not have to deal with that on a yearly basis, but overall I kind of thought it was return to defense and I thought it was yeah. kind of fitting that a defensive focused team won the national championship. And that was a great point that will brought up like, two or three weeks into the season. He, he's like, just feels like defense is making a comeback after 2020. It was just so like, that's yeah. such a very broad thing to say, but at the same time, it was kind of right after what we saw in 2020. For an LSU fan too. It was like, <laughs> right. that early on. It was like, okay. <laughs> it's like defense tackling. What a crazy right. concept. Um, but yeah, it just kind of felt like we saw more of these teams and especially the teams in the college football playoff where you look at, you know, Cincinnati, definitely a team that, that had its foundation built on defense, playing smart football and offense with Desmond Ritter and then, you know, you, you obviously see like Michigan with Aiden Hutchinson and, mm-hmm. and you know, the, the way that they were kind of built and and they, the the game script that they like to follow along with Georgia. And, you know, Bama's defense, it's not a historically good Bama defense, but Bama was still lights out against the run. And that's still, still for the second straight year. This year, way better. I, I kind of think it was more of a like Cincinnati's offense wasn't bad. They were definitely built on defense, like you said, and they had like, Sauce Gardner was Jesus Christ. That kid, yeah, man. Is, that is ridiculous. Um, they, they were, but you also saw what they did against Bama against the like just with Brian Robinson. I think it was almost more like an overcorrection. Like we kind of thought, like like the defense making a comeback. It was because the teams that um, I don't know, like 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 Cincinnati, they didn't have a bunch of stars on offense, but they had a they had a star on defense, and so it's kind of like and like Nick, you know, but. Bama in the same way, I don't think that they had like, like they don't get near enough credit for that defense. Pete Golding, all that kind of stuff. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Bama fan. It just blows my mind every year. Cause it's like, they were ranked in the top 10 in several categories. They were ranked in the yeah, top they five just, against the they run. Could, they get compared to everybody, every other great Bama defense before. It is, right. And they also gave I mean, up 41 that, points at Zach Calzada. So that was tough. <laughs> I'm like, how terrified are you for the Iron Bowl? Knowing that I've Zach said Calzada. this when he, when he yeah. got in the transfer portal, I was like, he's got to go to Auburn, right? Like that's like, that is, and you know, the bottom line too is like good for him and capitalizing on that. I, and you know, damn well that I kept up with every other game that he had that year and, and charted <laughs> versus what he had against Bam. And it was outrageous to see what that kid is. Just I, as we, as I told Garcia, we, we started talking to Steven Garcia more this year. It just, I kept calling him Cal's 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 or something like that. Cause it was like that kid, I don't want to like pin that on him, but then it played out and that's exactly who he was, but good for you, Zach. Yeah. Um, you know what? Zach Calzada, I, he he will he will always have that and mm-hmm. how much that played a part in him getting power five interest after the year that he had and he's got a rocket arm too but yeah I'm like well i i hate to say it but you look at auburn bringing him in with bo nicks being on i never thought i would say this but bama loses the iron bowl by 14 points if bo nicks is starting what a but, sentence what a sentence, right? And, it's, and they probably lose by seven if Zach Calzada starting. It was just oh, tough. I hope uh, Brian Harson just starts TJ Finley every single game until the Iron Bowl. And then brings in Zach Calzada. He's, did you see how tall he is? He's got to be good, right? No, seven, Brian, just hand the ball off the tank and shut up. Yikes. All right. Do you want to do, um, so I've got my five favorite SEC, SEC things that happened yeah, in yeah. 2021. Go ahead. So, 
do you have, do you have five that, sh- that, that you, that you want to, that you want to rattle off that you have it, that you have in mind? We can just go back and forth. How do you want to do this? Yeah, we can do that. I'll, I mean, I don't have five, I have three, but I'll think of two more. So you, you start. Okay. Love it. All right. Um, I'm going to start with Wandell Robinson coming home to yeah, Kentucky. That was cool. I remember when Wandell entered the portal and it seemed like a foregone conclusion that he was going to Kentucky. It wasn't just that he's a former Kentucky commit, like, you know, the guy had an opportunity to play down the road from Frankfurt where he grew up, all those things. His mom had been in the hospital with COVID. And so that was also at a time where we still weren't really sure about undergraduates getting the one-time exemption to, yeah. to be able to play immediately. So it was kind of like, all right, you know, he's got family health issues to be able to go home to all these different things. And when Liam Cohen, doppelganger, when he's hired to run a more balanced style that would feature the passing game and allow Wandale to not have to play tailback essentially, uh-huh. It made a ton of sense. So exactly one month after Liam Cohen's hired, Wandell commits to Kentucky. If you could have said to just the Kentucky fan, Kentucky, think of a Kentucky fan in your life. Hey, it's Gary Joe Collins. Exactly. Exactly. Mine is mine is my sister-in-law. Yeah, fair uh, enough. Who works who works at Kentucky and her mom, who's just such a diehard. It's awesome to watch. Um, I, if I could have asked them, like, what's your ideal scenario for Wandell at Kentucky? Mm-hmm. You would have said, oh, like he'll they, they would have they would have probably said this exact answer. He'll set program records for catches, he'll set program record for receiving yards, he'll be a fan favorite, he'll yeah. cash in on NIL. Um, Kentucky's gonna have a historic season thanks to a revamped offense. All that I happened. don't know if they would have said that. That's shooting the bar high. That's just what he did. Right? <laughs> just like that, that, that would have been your most ideal scenario, yeah. even the most optimistic Kentucky fan. And that happened. And like, it's kind of crazy because Kentucky was so starved for that. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to watch our guy, our, our son, Lynn Bowden, do something like that. Yeah. But it, that was playing quarterback and it's a little bit of a different style. Seeing someone in the passing game who was just a walking highlight reel, it was so fun. And I'm so glad that right. I was able to to kind of spend some time with the kid in, in, in Lexington. And also we had him, we had him on the show back in, yeah. in April and he's just special. And you kind of realize that talking to him and the more you watch him, you just realize that that's a guy who just kind of get it. He yeah. is up there. I was thinking about this. So one and done transfers in recent memory, um, Jalen at Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Kenneth Walker, Michigan state, Gardner Minshew, Washington state. Yeah. And I'm probably forgetting some, but best one and done transfers of the playoff era. Right. So just specific to that time frame. He's cause remember, you know, fields, burrow Baker, those guys are all yeah. multi-year starters. So we can't, we can't count them. Gary just Masoli, that was the BCS era. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we could forget. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's, the, I mean, one of the best one and dones that we've, that we've seen a guy who just did everything. He was awesome. Yeah, it was well, different, watch. different than Bowden too. Cause Bowden was like a feel good story of not that he was his talent as an athlete and as a, or as a football player was severely underrated yeah. because of all the things he had to do for that offense. It, and it kind of fed into the same kind of shitty narrative for Kentucky where it's like, Oh, you know, like they're a basketball school, but they're, they're a feel good football story until they play games that matter or what, like, cause they were, you know, they were like hanging on by this like wildcat offense that it was 80% of their offense. It was like running the football. It was awesome to watch them this year. Will Levis was, was fun. All that kind of stuff. I'll say kind of similar to that. My first thing was for the second straight year, the parody and success of first year coaches mm. was really cool to see. And, and so like I said this all like the 20, 
20 season, I guess, because it's, it's it's the same kind of dumb off season generic answer questions like what first year coach do you think has the most success? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it was cool that you got to see every single first year coach then get what would be a like, uh, what was, I'm forgetting the word now, Connor, help me out the English language, like always like a landmark win or like a, um, a statement win. Yeah. Like a statement. A seminal win, a moment. Exactly. There it is. Um, a Florida state seminal moment. And so, <laughs> but like you saw it with Drinkwitz beating LSU and then Pittman with the, the game against Mississippi state that we got mm. to beat our chest over. So this year watching Shane Beamer being able to beat Florida and get that team to six and six. I never thought I'd see that. That, that was awesome. Then you talk about Hypel. And, and again, maybe I've said this off air, maybe I'm just becoming a, a pansy in my old age or something. I don't know. I'm just getting soft, but it was really cool to watch Tennessee. Like I know I'm going to regret that because their fans already proved that to me from taking something way out of context on Twitter uh, during the January 1st games, but like watching them win against Kentucky, that was awesome too. And, and, and that's a team that when we saw that they had six wins on the board for their like preseason win total out of Vegas, I was like, that is way too high. They lost 39 kids in the portal. Yeah. But it was cool to see Hypel have that big of an impact that early. That was my number four was oh. Shane Beamer, Josh Hypel okay. made their teams so much more fun to watch. I Suck mean, it, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he beat me to it on all that. Like, think, think, of, think of 2020 with South Carolina and Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Those teams were terrible to watch with Muschamp and Pruitt. I mean, it was bad. Like defensive-minded coaches who had no idea how to get the most talent out of the quarterback position, horrible offenses. Their defenses had talent, but they would always just kind of break in the second half because when your offense can't stay on the field, well, you're only as good as that. And like Beamer and Heupel in different ways were just such a massive exhale. And like Beamer, he gives us, he gives us the Mayo bath. Like that's what everybody's going to talk about. I mean, Tennessee had the number seven offense in college football this year. Tennessee was like Hendon Hooker, probably the most underrated player in the league. We are hen dogs. We are all <laughs> hen dogs. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, but no, he, like, he, he had 26 and three was like his touchdown to interception ratio. He was 31 and, like, three after that's overall. Right? Oh, sh- you're right. The in the game. Purdue game. Yeah. But I mean, like him, Velas Jones, Velas Jones having the second most total yards in, in, a, in a single season in ball history, which is crazy. Um, you know, they struggle with the defense stuff that our buddy Adam Spencer has brought up several times just because of the way that offense is run. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, one of the coolest things, and so it's a hot, a, a tough year for takes. One thing from a betting standpoint, and I, you would have been very proud of me. I, I kept it under control this year and did not do a lot of betting. Um, but one of the, the bets I said, this is probably the easiest bet of the year. Like if you're going to take like a, like a, a prop, the Georgia game, Georgia and Bama, you could get like plus 650 for Tennessee to score first. Oh, gosh. And I was like, okay. Or, and then it was like plus, so like it was, it was plus 300 for Tennessee to score first. And it was plus 600 for Tennessee to score a touchdown. And I was like, take that all day. <laughs> and then that's free money. Tennessee could score against the 85 Bears on the first doubt. possession of the game. The There's first no quarter doubt. of games, and you know, I love to bet the first quarter and first half more than anything. Oh, yeah. they, they were, they were incredible to watch, man. And, and you also talk about the fact that they went seven and five. Whatever happened in the bowl game happened, sure. But like him and Beamer to do it in the way they did. And Beamer did it differently because he was so much more confident and well-spoken because, you know, Hypel's got a little bit of like a lisp and he's, he's just not, you can tell he's not as confident with having to do public speaking, but he mm-hmm. is uber confident as a head coach as he should be and a play caller. And so I just like, think about everybody that left, man, everybody that left, 
It's incredible. I mean, I, I said it over and over. South Carolina was ranked 125 out of 127 teams in Bill Connolly's percentage of returning yeah. production stat. And that's from a two win team. And so yeah. for them to more than triple still their beat Auburn. Total, I want to throw that out there. Yeah. Still, still beat Auburn, still beat Florida as well. Um, it, it was, it was cool to be able to watch these teams and with, with coaches right. who like, clearly they, they had their team's attention and those, mm-hmm. those guys, those guys absolutely bought in. So I, I want to throw this question out to you. Because if either of those teams had lost their coach to Oklahoma, they would have been devastated, right? Like that's, Uh which that's, that's always a good testament to like how valued you are by, Mm -hmm. by your fan base. So I did this thing where I used a one to 10 scale to grade how excited SEC teams should be about their first year head coaches. You don't want to know what I gave Harson on that. Um, But going into November, I remember saying this to Chuck Oliver, you could have argued that he was the SEC coach, the the coach of the year where they were six and two. Shout out Chuck. I love Chuck. He's I did too, man. man. But that was, you they closed poorly. Okay. So I want you, I want you to answer this. So on a scale of one to 10, like okay. one is dumpster fire. We're looking yeah. to buy out numbers after year one. Uh-huh. Let's get rid mm-hmm. of this guy. 10 is we're going to new heights where maybe it's not like, Hey, we're going to win a national championship, but it's, Hey, this could not have gone better. Like what so they're saying, like, or what they actually, what they like, cause Tennessee fans are obviously a 10, but like, or what we, they should be. So, so let's, let's say about the future. You're just yeah, talking okay. about the future. Cool. Okay. Optimism about the future. Cool. How do you think each of those fan bases should feel on a scale of one to 10? An eight and a half, maybe nine. That's, like only because if you talk about championships, I'm not saying it's in a rude way, but 98 has been a long way away. And I don't know if South Carolina is ever going to be able to compete in a recruiting standpoint, but I say that by also saying I have doubted them so much, yeah. even this season. And they've proved me wrong every step of the way. And so much fun to watch them win with Beamer. Um, it's it, you, you brought up on Twitter after one of the games with his daughter. And it was just like, it, it's, we brought this up with Coach O in 2019 you didn't see a lot at that time. You didn't see a lot of coaches who came back to like their dream school or whatever, or like it said it was their dreams job and they meant it. Yeah. And then they, and it meant something even more to win at that program. And yeah. now I see, you see it with Pittman in Arkansas, you see it with Beamer at South Carolina. And it's, 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 it's cool to see how important it is to them. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I, I'd be ecstatic if I was one of those fans. I gave uh hypo was an eight. And then I went mm-hmm. nine with Beamer Yeah, and, because also think about this too, like both of those teams now coming back in 2022 with one of the top 10 quarterbacks in all of college football, yep. probably I, depending on how you feel about Spencer Rattler, but I think Hendon Hooker is absolutely. It's a massive upgrade. No matter, I don't care what I hated Spencer Rattler going into the season. I said a lot of unkind things about him <laughs> and, and you know, about his character and what he appeared to be. That kid is a massive upgrade from Zeb Nolan, from, Whoever Dilly. else they like, I mean, my God, it, and it was great to see what Jason, what's his name? Jason, Jason what, Brown, not, Jason Brown did. I was gonna say Jason White. So I'm just front of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so it's just like, like that was great that he was able to do that. Um, but yeah, South Carolina, man, like, cause it was a revolving door of all crappy quarterbacks. It's think of how long it's been since South Carolina or Tennessee had a quarterback coming back that they felt like really like top 10 quarterback nationally. I'm not so but, talking like Josh Dobbs. Or Jared right. Garantano. <laughs> or so, so, that was me. South Carolina. 
I forgot about Scarantano. <laughs> my Sorry, didn't mean to go there. No, that's good. That's good. Um, I'll never forget the fact that I had said he was going to be all that. And then, and then he has the year of all the pick sixes and he goes Number out to three. Washington State and he has his, yeah, he goes out to Washington State and his first pass of his spring game was a pick six. I was like, oh my God. <sighs> no, but so Just had to get out with, of with South Carolina, it's almost funny too, because it's like, how long has it been since they've had a legit quarterback? Because it's been since the 80s since they've had a quarterback drafted, I think. Um, uh, yeah, I think it was I think before they joined the SEC. They have not had a quarterback yeah. drafted since they joined the SEC. It was like 87 or something, but it also, South, and you got to give them credit because they you, you love South Carolina fans to death. And, and you guys all know my family lives over there in, in Lexington, but like how, how long has it been since they've had a quarterback that they were excited about? And the rest of the SEC was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Not just like, Hey, here's a white guy. That's really tough on third and two and can also complete 62% of his passes, Connor Shaw. And then Dylan Thompson, uh, like it's the same person. Yeah. Or like a quarterback who's actually gone out there and done it. Not just, you know, they've had right. plenty of four-star quarterbacks. That's not what we're talking about here, but yeah, it is very different and different with yeah. those two fan bases. Those were good though. Um, so the, I, I have my five and four done. Yeah. What do you I'll have go four. For, four? Um, so this was the, like, I'll, I'll go to Bama real quick. It was, this probably should have been higher. Um, you know what? Fine. I'll, I'll say this uh, back to the first year coaches. Second year coach was Sam Pittman. It Are was you at my at my sheet right now. You didn't even share a doc with up. me, jerk. I didn't see it. No, but, I did I mean, for this exact thing. reason. <laughs> okay, so now I'll say I'll say a different one. I'll say um, it was okay. Like having fans back, having fans back at, oh, at games good. was was really good. I mean, you got to go all over this year, um, but like, so I got to go to LSU, um, and 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 I, I'll save the reason why it was so important later on, but it was. I went to two games this year, three, if you count the opening against Miami and all three of them felt like one of the most important things I'd been to in ages. And, and yes, I overvalue college football and I love it more than anything in this world, but it was just something that was like, at the time I was like, God, I needed this. And, and yeah. like to be around, like we went, you know, LSU Auburn and, and like, you know, it just, it, I was so excited to be around, not just LSU friends and, and stuff like that, but also going back to tailgates and, and being able to go watch games and being able to get $8 Miller lights in a club section. Cause you're friends with Mickey Sheremy and he always hooks it up. So that was like, but Shout all that Mickey. above was just like, it was really cool to be back in, in the, even the SC championship. I was, I was surrounded by Georgia fans. Like I, and I felt bad because I was honestly as shocked as they were that we were winning at, at halftime, but it was like, it was just cool, man. It was cool to be back. It, it, it did feel just different and like a return to normal. And I realize that we're still working through things with the pandemic right now. And, and all of that has been a popular topic of conversation throughout bowl season here, but COVID is like, excuse my language, but it's the Hunter Renfro of, of diseases. It is like, it just won't go away. Just please, for the love of God, graduate. Can we move on to a different sickness? I'm over it. The I've got like seven it. times. I feel like. The Stetson Bennett of diseases. <laughs> that, that is COVID That's at this good. point. Yeah. Yeah. Like getting back into in, in being able to go to some of these games. I think mm -hmm. I went, I did how many games did I do? I think I did four this, yeah, four this year. And then I did uh, Georgia Victory Parade as well. But it was yeah. like, you only went to four? Yeah. I, cause I went to, um, I went to Kentucky, Kentucky LSU. LSU. And then I did playoff cocktails. Games. Yeah. And a cocktail party. Yeah. Wow. Four. So just all Georgia, huh? Wow. That's right. Three of my four games that I went to were Georgia. Actually, every game that I went to involved, I mean, okay, no, no I take that back. I was going to say I went to just all SEC East games this year. Wow. What a traitor. Just hate the West. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Right, it was so fun to be able to get back. Four. So what is your three? 
Okay. So um, you're going to lead right into it. Uh, we didn't have the sophomore slumps with year mm-hmm. two coaches. Um, I'd argue that drink kind of stayed the same kind of. Yeah. Say the same as last year. He closed strong because of the Florida win, but it was also like, eh. yeah. Yeah. Those two fans were frustrated. They were really frustrated mm-hmm. with the offense for sure. Yeah. Um, but the other three, Pittman, Kiffin, Leach, they all took that next step and really sort of embodied the identity that we hoped that they would. And we'd hope that we'd see it even more in year yeah. two. All had fun quarterbacks who could take over games. Mm-hmm. That Arkansas Ole Miss game, Bill Connolly's game of the year, 52-51, KJ against Corral. It was awesome. So much fun. That was the same weekend as as the um, LSU-Kentucky game. And I was in Lexington yeah. at my brother's house with family members that did not have a rooting interest in that game who were like on the edge of their seat watching that. It That's was a noon game. Was. Who was the yeah. 3.30 game that week? 3.30 game was Georgia-Auburn that week. Okay. I'm trying to think who Bama had. Cause it was like, I, I feel like Bama might've Bama, been on it was at Bama the same time. that night. Bama okay, A&M. Never mind. Yeah. yeah. All right. Fine. Yeah. That <laughs> was like a day of football up until then. So, <laughs> no, I think, I think I remember even saying it after the game. Cause that Bama game was that A&M game was tough, but um, it was a really good day of football in general. It's and awesome. also partially because George Auburn is my favorite rivalry, even though it's in October now, but Piedmont yeah. park. That's right. OG, OG listeners of the show know, will know that reference for sure. I, we got to get some sirens going too back here, um, <laughs> just for old time's sake. No, so I think, is that, are you, are you done with three? I was going to say that's a, that's a fun rivalry moving forward mm-hmm. though, that we don't really talk about as much as Ole Miss, Arkansas. And those yeah. fan bases like kind of like low key hate each other. And because they, of 2013 or 2014, the Hunter Henry thing. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, it just meant more. Go listen, go back yeah. and listen to that podcast. That was, I think that was one of our most popular pods that we that's had fun, for that man. Yeah. We got to do another one soon. Yeah, we are. We got, um, I haven't told you yet, but there's a, so I, my whole role today changed with the company. So I'm your boss now. No, I'm kidding. I'm not, we're doing, we're doing some new stuff, but um, it's all, it's all good. It's all, it's all, it's all positive things. Um, so that for three, I was going to say specifically like the swag of the coaches. Like I, I said this doing like two years ago um, that no, no one's going to ever feel bad for a college football coach that's making eight, nine million dollars a year. And now, well, at the time, that was way too high. It's like, you know, five, six. And now, you know, Mel Tucker's like reset the whole market. It's, it's awesome. But like watching the shit show that was with all the coaches this year and also seeing like, like the highs and the lows, right? It was all mm-hmm. fun to watch. And, and what I mean by that is like, they have to do so much more now. And it's, it's unreasonable if you ask me, because there's, it's not, none of it is like, it's put up on a schedule very well. Like, it's not like, like you have the season, then you have signing day, early signing days, like a week later. And I know Dan Mullen was a big complainer about this. I'll be honest. I think all of us would be, if we were in that position, because it's like, you're, you're trying to, at that point for him, save his job, but it's like, it just never stops. And the recruiting never stops. And you have the transfer portal and then you have NIL stuff now and none of it's regulated. So it was, it was just kind of like from the jump when NIL started, it was just wild, wild West giant shit show. And it was so much fun to watch. Like the coach, stuff, the coach stuff of him, like leaving at the end of the year, walking into his last, his last press conference with his mistress and now girlfriend who was like, I'm like, what's next for you? And he's like, I'm going to Destin. It's like, okay, cool. <laughs> and then like career wise. And then it's like the Mullen stuff and watching him just be all over the place. I, this is something else I nailed when I said that 
he, he like angry Dan Mullen is just me after a loss. Like he's just irrational and he's, he's just saying stuff and it's like, he doesn't mean he's like, Oh, we, we're going to celebrate every win. We're going to dance. That, you didn't mean that. Like what his whole up and down Drinkwitz trolling him even after he was fired with like, Incredible. which was crazy. Um, Pittman, man, what Pittman's done at Arkansas. I know we already kind of touched on it. It's awesome to see that fan base, that entire fan base have some, like, I feel like right now you could argue it'd be almost cool, like cooler than any other team besides Georgia to be an Arkansas fan because you have something to cheer for year round with, with every sport. But all that being said, like the ups and downs with the coaches, even to where at the end of the year, you had, you could argue three different people that deserved a minimum, three people that deserved coach of the year mm-hmm. with, and, and that's probably not even including Stoops. Um, Which I think you should. Yeah, I don't yeah. think you should. It, Everybody ate, man. Everybody ate. Pittman gets Arkansas to nine wins first time in a decade. Stoops gets Kentucky to 10 wins again, like after doing it two seasons ago. Lane. Um, and then you talk about, yeah, Lane Kiffin getting to a New Year's Six Bowl. That flies under the radar somehow as he goes, he wins 10 wins. Uh, and, and then on top of all that, to have Saban and Kirby close out the year, the, one of the coolest moments I think all year for me was you just, and again, maybe I'm just being soft, but when they, when they met at midfield, I can tell you firsthand, that relationship was was a little contentious before before recent because of how could it not be you know right and and the and like the way Kirby left and you heard Kirby even say it afterwards where he was like I think it I didn't maybe realize how important or impactful some of that job was before I got here and because I think Kirby just like was so tired of getting doubted and just wanted to win and knew he could and and was tired of hearing about like the daddy saving thing and all that kind of stuff but to watch. Save and stick up for his players at the end of the year with, with Anderson and Bryce. And then to also have them meet at midfield where you could see there was like this genuine moment where he was like, he's like, Hey man, you kicked our ass in the fourth. And, and Kirby's first response is how's the receiver. And it's like, yeah. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen those two do that in since he's been at Georgia. And it was cool to see. It was like, these two are the best in the game. And they finally, it seems like they overly respect. So how, how many times have you seen Nick Saban not be mad after a loss? He had a, he had a different mindset this whole year. It was amazing. Which we, we brought that up a few times about how he, what was it? Was it, I think it was halftime of the Iron Bowl, right? Where he's like, yeah, I just told my team to relax. I just have like, fun. Chill out. Can't have confirm fun. that I was not having fun at that moment at all. <laughs> and yeah, but, but they, you know why? That team, could, that team should have been eight and four. And he knew it. Yeah. And he knew it. Or from early on. And, and the other thing too is he's, he noticed, this is an old quote I brought up on the pod before is, Bear Bryant used to always say, there's some players you got to kick in the ass and there's some you got to put your arm around. And like, it's just a matter of coaching. And like for each one, I think he kind of realized that like, he wasn't going to be able to ride this team. This was not Reuben Foster and Jonathan Allen and Jerron Payne and all those guys. Different yeah, team. it was, it's, this was okay. Like we have Bryce, we have Jameson, all the running backs are gone. This is, it was like, I can't imagine going to work every day with that offensive line and having to, having to pretend to believe in them. It just, it Evan was, Neal's just looking around like, so y'all going to figure it out? Or, think about uh, how bad that offensive line up. was with the best offensive line prospect in the country. Yeah. That's astounding. Yeah. Okay. So that, that kind of, that, that goes into my next one that yeah. I have for two. Um, and, and that is Bryce Young somehow exceeded the hype. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I was laughing when you said, you know, how cool it was to see Saban, you know, with Will Anderson on one side, Bryce Young on the other post national championship, be like, yeah. and this, this game didn't define these two players. I'm like, 
I, 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 maybe I'm in the minority here. I wasn't judging those two guys based on one game. Um, okay. If we're being honest, I didn't <laughs> think it was that cool of a moment until afterwards when everybody has said it, I thought it was kind of awkward. Cause he also asked, he was like, can I say something? Like anybody in the room was gonna be like, no, no, we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. We, we're playing you off. Yeah, this is a award show. <laughs> just get, get you out of here. You got a flight to catch Nick. Uh, let's, let's get out of here. But I, I think that's something that is so easy to lose track of. And it's been mm-hmm. talked about ad nauseum. It's going to be talked about a lot more over the course of the next year. But take the uniform away and mm-hmm. just watch all the all the different things that he does off platform when he's going to, even when he's going through his first read and, and the accuracy yeah. that he has on some of those little, you know, quick screens and those quick outs where like, he's just so unbelievably accurate and he sets guys up really, really well. He doesn't do the thing where he gets his quarterbacks killed, which there are, mm-hmm. there are guys in this league who do that way too much. And he just like, doesn't really do that. And so I was blown away by him because I was, I was ready to be pretty critical of him and say, well, yeah. you know, this, this is kind of why, I had a tough time saying that he was going to be better than Mac Jones all of a sudden. And look, like you're going to make remember people shit on Mike Mac Jones. Cause the iron bowl, cause the two pick sixes. And yeah. And everything outside of that was like, yeah. all right, he's, he looks really, really good. Right. I, I, I just continue to be amazed that Bryce Young was, he was never rattled. He's going to make a couple of mistakes every mm-hmm. game because of how calm he is. And he's the eternal optimist about keeping a play alive, but you, you just can't take that away with no. from like what he does. And, and I think Mac might still win the argument for best single season among the yeah. Alabama quarterbacks because of how consistent the offense was. And yeah, like he had more help, but in the same breath, I thought Bryce was more impressive, if that makes sense. Um, well, he, like, and people don't want to hear this again. And, and this is not just because I'm a Bama fan. And I, like, I, like being realistic here, and I'm saying they should have gone eight and four. They probably should have lost to Florida. They probably should. Arkansas was not as close as people give them credit for. No offense, Arkansas fans. It's just like LSU, though. LSU, they should have lost four times. Auburn, should have lost. And, and they should have lost to Auburn as well. So, like, should have been eight and four. And I, and I remember the worst take I had had, and I'll blame it on like lack of sleep and the fact that it was the Iron Bowl. But I was saying how Bryce Young, they brought, they brought up how his Heisman moment came against Auburn there, you know, on the three yard line. I thought it was his Heisman moment against, so against Auburn. Yeah. Initially, when that happened, I was like, Auburn's past secondary is ranked like really low. They, they've like this, it's a six and five team. Like they should have had all these other opportunities. Like, like, I haven't heard, I've, I just have never heard a Heisman moment. And I said, this is what I was saying afterwards. I had never heard of a Heisman moment being that kid just beat a six and five team with this ranked passing defense. And it was way overly critical and it was very short-sighted and probably this is like, and this is saying a lot, one of the worst takes I've had in forever. The fact that kid, after watching him against Georgia and just how like the wizardry he had of, of like the pitch outside to Robinson and kind of stuff. And, and like, People never want to hear it because it's Bama and they have, they, they reload and all that kind of stuff. And the fans are obnoxious and I totally get it. I said, going into the season, you're not going to reload when you lose generational talent at three different positions. You have a first round quarterback, you have a Heisman trophy winner receiver, you have a running back that had 30 touchdowns. Bama was down to one and a half running backs. And I don't know if the half was Trey Sanders or Brian Robinson's at times going into like the last couple of games of the season. Sure. And then you talk about the offensive line giving up six sacks LSU, seven sacks against Auburn. Like they were brutal, like all season long. Yeah. You saw in pre-snap penalties, you saw against an A&M game, they gave up four sacks in the first half. Um, 
And then you watch like the receiving core, which was Jameson Williams and Mechie. And I, I, it was, it was just so, it became so clear. And you look at all like the drops from the tight ends and all that kind of stuff. It just became so clear that that kid really carried that whole team and, sh- and shouldered like, like on offense. And it was, that's a lot for a 19 year old man. Like yeah. that, that for him to be able to do like, he's 19 years old for him to be able to do some of that stuff and never, ever, ever seem phased. Yeah. That's, was, that's the impressive thing with him. Yeah. I will you say just, just forever, all the other fans, what I thought was stupid was in the Heisman thing when he was like talking about being doubted. I don't know who was doubting him from his, I, I explained I kind of like went in detail about how I don't mind him saying that just yeah. because like you, you have to, you, if, if you're on that level, you, you have to do the MJ thing and just take whatever mm-hmm. you can possibly do. Because if, if you're just listening to all that other stuff, then it's, it's not going to work for you. And yeah. it, you know, cl- like he is clearly wired in a different way than any human being is supposed to be wired. Mm-hmm. Because if that's what, we, what you legitimately think, then then so be it. That's your thing. Will Anderson mm-hmm. definitely has some of that too. But I, yeah, and I'll, I'll I, tell you this too. The last thing about Bryce is like P- Bill O'Brien doesn't get enough credit. I'm sure people don't like him because it's Bill O'Brien, and I get why. Because of his right? chin, yeah, right. Because because <laughs> very good point. But like Bryce could have left. I thought he would leave to go to Texas with Sark. And because that's who originally recruited him. And and Bryce kind of, I don't want to say stuck it out because it's still Bama, but it's like, I don't think he was put in an ideal situation that he saw happening out of high school. Well, it's like the Caleb Williams thing. You know, mm -hmm. like Caleb Williams leaves after his freshman year, even though it's like, hey, like you're going to, you're going to be a guy if you come back. It's like you're leaving to, because you're not going to play or something. But with Bryce, it's like, well, we, we talked the entire time throughout his recruitment about the Steve Sarkeesian thing. Yeah. And it's like, if he comes to Bama or if there's like any sort of, like it doesn't go well with the coaching staff or, or the, the surrounding pieces, that could be yeah. it easily. And, and I'm, I just think it, the kid's character was, was really impressive. And, and the fact that like, he never really, it was like a showboat about anything, which was surprising to me, which I like, it, did, it, it wasn't because he lacked swagger, right? Like he was just... I, I thought it was it, it was awesome, but it also was partially awesome because Bama was could have been so bad without him. If he wins a national title next year, best Bama quarterback ever. I think that argument is pretty yeah. much his. And then if he comes up short, we'll probably talk about him the same way we talk about Tua. God, oh god, That's which so is tough. a good thing. Um, yeah. So, what do you have for what do you have for number two? Um, number I, wait, we're at number two already. Yeah, that was that was my two. Or did I did I go ahead? Do you have a three? I think you went ahead. Yeah. You, you, well, that was my three. I thought. So I thought you were up on them too. That was my two. Okay. That was Bryce Young? Um, number two favorite parts of the year. So, and people might not like this, but I think that the way the season closed out, um, it was it was kind of awesome. And I'll get to number one. I'll explain why in depth at number one. But like, I just thought it was a perfect year for fans in in a lot of ways where. Sure, like the same teams kind of went to the playoff with Bama and Georgia, but you also had like Michigan, which was new blood, which was kind of fun. And, and Cincinnati got that whole thing. Um, but like it was it was a year for the SEC, too, where I thought like, again, like everyone ate every, besides Florida and Bambi. Um, 
Well, LSU, yeah, they had some moments. I mean, but like it seemed like there was at least one moment for every team that you had to like hang your hat on. It wasn't. Yeah, that's true. And some of the some of the things that that are just like we already brought up, but like the just how quickly some of these programs have become relevant again is really fun. And I was never a guy that was like beating the drum for the SEC. It's just always bam up when I was before I started this job, and and just like I didn't care if other teams. I don't. I don't want Auburn to win the Birmingham Bowl. Kind of still don't to be honest. But I mean, like now it's it's kind of cool, and you watch all these fan bases celebrate. I just thought it was way the way the season closed, and I'll say specifically with this with Stetson Bennett, it was the first time during a Bama loss I had found myself ever clapping and cheer not cheering necessarily, but like smiling and clapping for a moment for somebody else they had on at Bama's expense. And the reason why is this because we sat there for all last year. Georgia fans blamed Stetson Bennett, and 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 he got criticized from everywhere, but like all last year, all this year after the Bama loss, and for the first 52 minutes of that game. The coolest part of the national championship, Connor, in my opinion, was the fact that after you have this phantom fumble, and I will also tell Georgia fans this that don't listen to their pod, the penalties were absolutely, excuse my language, Connor, they were egregious on in Bama's favor, and you guys were totally right to be upset about that. I don't know if any of them were wrong when they showed the replay, but the amount of them was excessive and it was stupid. So, but that being said, you have this phantom fumble, that was the most awkward, like, I don't know how you make that call in the moment. If you're the ref, they should not insert themselves in the games like that, in my opinion. But then you watch the replay and it seems like it's the right call. And then magically Brian Branch or Malachi Moore, whoever it was, just casually catches the ball with one like toe. Most casual fumble recovery in the history of football. And then we get the ball inside the 20 and score a go ahead touchdown. And I'm sitting here thinking like, oh my God, now it's 1813. And there's eight minutes left and the defense for Bama had played out of their minds in that game. And you can kind of feel like it was the, it, the, a little bit of the momentum was swinging Georgia's way. Jamison out, both starting cornerbacks are out. And so it's just like, it kind of felt like to me, at least maybe I'm a pessimist, like it was going to fall apart. But for Georgia in that moment, for Kirby smart, for Todd Munkin and for Stetson Bennett in that moment, when, when now Stetson, maybe has a reason to be blamed for the loss with the fumble. They could have come back out and ran the football. They could have come back and ran check down to Brock Bowers. Yep. They came back out and they aired the ball out and went right down the field. Excuse my language again. They went right down the field. And, and I have goosebumps even talking about it, man. Four for four for 82 yards on that drive. Like just the first attempt, a first attempt was just a, a long developing or slow developing play action pass across the field to the other hash where he hits like, and he, he hits Adonis Mitchell and, and, and like, it was awesome. It was awesome to watch the, 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 you saw the confidence that no one else in the country and especially in Athens had on sets and Bennett, but in that room with Todd Monk and Kirby smart and, and, and Stetson, I, I wouldn't even say double down, I guess a quadruple down on the yeah. fact that they, that was their guy. That was awesome. That was awesome. Okay, so I, for number one, I had I no longer have to the deba- I no longer have to debate whether Georgia can end the 1980 jokes. So oh, those are tough. <laughs> look, in all seriousness, I I started on this job on the SEC side 2017. Mm-hmm. So this is my fifth season doing this, which not that much. Was your first year? 2017. Yeah, 2017 okay, was the first right, year on right. the SEC side, and then 2015 I had been with our company since then, was doing the Big Ten stuff before that. Um, even I, five years in, got sick of talking about 1980. I cannot imagine being a Georgia fan who has experienced the majority of that, even Aaron Murray, who has experienced the last decade plus mm-hmm. of that. 
I still cannot imagine what that's like to hear about that everywhere you go. Every time you wear Georgia apparel and it's the off season, it's like, oh, hey, is this going to be the year? Is this going to be the Like every time that Georgia does anything during the year, like, oh, hey, is this going to happen? Is this going to happen? Oh, Georgia loses two games in September and it's, you know, 2013 or whatever, 2014. And you're like, hey, uh, how many more years do you think Mark, Mark Richt has left? Like all these different things that you kind of have to go through as yeah. a fan that – like you're no longer going to have to deal with in the same sort of way. Now, mm-hmm. obviously we're going to treat Georgia in a totally different manner. And the narrative shifts from, well, now that 1980 isn't a thing anymore, it's, Hey, what's Kirby going to be able to build? How many is going to win all these different things? I, I get all of that, but I was just relieved to kind of finally see that end. And when you see the angst and yeah. the sense of urgency that, that fans have knowing that it just doesn't set up better than this. It Dude. just doesn't. No, and you and you lose and you get to come back and do like it. I thought they were crazy for saying, I didn't mean to interrupt you, by the way. Go ahead. No, 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 no. You, you're good. Go ahead. I, like, I, I thought fans are crazy for saying, well, if we do it, we, we got to beat Bama. It's got to be like Brian Hoyt saying that. And I was like, he's out of his effing mind. He doesn't mean but that. It kind of makes win. sense, though. It kind of makes sense. And, it, and, you, and you know what? I'll say this. You're a better fan than me, Georgia fans, because I just want to win. Like, I don't care. Like, when Bama played Notre Dame, awesome. Like they're terrible. Like, but I mean, I just wanted to win games and, and when, go ahead. 2009 Florida though. Did it feel different getting through Florida? I will tell you right now, I would have rather played anyone else, but (laughs) I just want to win. Um, But yeah, but yeah, like I think the competitor in you also is like, on the in the hindsight of that, you're scared. Go, I was scared going into that year where it's like 2008. You go 12 and 0, and you and you knew you weren't the best team in the country, even though you're ranked right. number one, and you get beat by you're an eight point underdog in that game against Florida. But in 2009, where and you're coming off a game against Auburn where you should have lost that game, and you have this come from behind win. You're 12 and 0. Everything's in front of you, but you got to play Florida with Tim Tebow, and they haven't lost but one time. And you're like, this would suck if this is like, if you go 12 and one. Yeah. And, and you're like, you know, what's well, a kind of a wasted season. We're going to go back to this anyway, but no, I, I just, it was, it was cool to see Georgia fans get the monkey out the back. I, I tell you what, this morning for the first time I watched the, the hype video that's circulated of, of like, it starts out in black and white and it's Jameson Pretty Williams cool. and all that kind of stuff. And, and again, man, I, I have goosebumps and I, you know, at some point I will be tired of seeing it just like they were tired of hearing the second 26, but it was like, <laughs> you, you could, you could sense like, just watching it on her phone, you could sense the relief and the joy and like, just the, just like, I mean, the joy, like this pure joy from when he caught that pass and started running it back. And, and all of the 41 years of shit you've gone through all of it, all the terrible beats, it's all wiped away. And Oh, by the way, the Braves won the world series. Yeah. No big deal. Just a casual year to be a a sports fan in the state of Georgia. I was thinking about this at the Georgia parade when the 1980s, the seniors from the 1980 championship team, they raised the 2021 banner. If that scenario move on guys, right? Like get a life. Stop going back to your alma mater. Like what a weird (laughs) thing to do. If that scenario repeated and Georgia had to wait another 41 years that I, I would bet money that will not happen. I'm just, yeah. Just throwing this hypothetical out there, like Jordan Davis, Stetson Bennett, they're raising the next Georgia national championship banner. That would be in the year 2062. You got to ask yourself, Connor, who should raise the banner, Stetson Bennett or JT Daniels? Because I don't think that's something we've talked about enough. Great point. Um, maybe um, Fitzpatrick can do it. Oh, God. Uh, oh, no. He, he, well, yeah, he entered the NFL draft, so he, he'd be able to do that. I'd be 72 
or dead. Yeah. One of those two things um, at that time. So I would be the latter for sure. Yeah. I don't think <laughs> anybody's expecting me to make it much. I'm shocked I made it to 35. So but now we get to move on to a new team. Um, yeah. AM. AM last national title. Wait, that is what? last claimed national title. Oh. I just, I got a trivia question from Chris here. Okay. Last, last claimed national, national title? title. Yes. For 58. 39. Oh yeah. 58 was when they had, they went nine and two and John David, what's his name? Won the Heisman 39. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Who could forget? Um, super bonus points. If you can tell me who A&M beat in the sugar bowl that year, hint, it was an SEC team, Tennessee, Tulane. So Tennessee also that year was, or maybe it was 38. That was the year they gave up like zero points. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, and that was one of the pods we did about the, the yeah. claim national championships and all right. those different things. That's, that's, yeah, yeah it's kind of crazy. That's, that's, that's so wow. it's been a minute. Uh, yeah. what do you have for your, for your number one? All right. So I'm going to get, I'm going to get serious and emotional. You don't, you can look away if it makes you uncomfortable. I think Connor knows a little bit about what happened. Um, a lot of you don't like our listeners that are hearing this, this is more so it's just for everyone else. Um, but for me, the best part of the year, for those of you that somehow don't know by now, uh, um, so if you listen to the pod before, everyone knows I was engaged for three and a half years, uh, to, uh, Allie and we had two dogs and all that kind of stuff. And, um, in July that ended, uh, which she broke off the engagement pretty, I don't, we're not going to get into it, but it was like a week removed from her family vacation. So it was, it kind of felt like it was out of nowhere and it's all surprising. And it's going into this part of the year where it's like the happiest time of the year, usually for me. And it was a week after media days. And the fight started during media day. So it was like ugh, a lot of stuff going on right now. Um, and so it just was, it was a very tough time of year for me um, losing. I, I lost everything. I lost, uh, she took it all the house, car, dogs, everything. So I had to start from scratch um, and it was awful. It was the worst year of my life. It was the worst time of my life. It, losing the dogs, especially, is still something that's just, it's kind of tough. And I, for the first time ever, wasn't looking forward to football season, it, it, which is like, and part of me thought it was like, you know what? It'll be a good distraction. I can bury myself into work and I, it's football, but it just didn't happen, man. It's just, you know, when you, when something like that happens, I think, and you lost something, well, everything, and you lose something that's like so important to you, it's just, it's really hard to get over. And, I was at a point where I was like ready to give up and, and just was done and couldn't do this anymore. I couldn't do anything anymore. It's like hard to get out of bed. And I never thought I would say this because that offensive line didn't help. And Zach Calzada also didn't oh, help. God. I'll say, um, but no, like in all seriousness, man, uh, I just, the support from our listeners and the people that like, you know, that listen to the pod that watch our videos that follow us on social media, that like any of that kind of stuff, I like wear my heart on my sleeve for the most part and very transparent on social media, which some people look down on, but it's, it's what I've always been. And it's the only thing that got me through was, was this audience and, and people like Candler and Mickey and, and like inviting me to games. Like I, like, you know, that LSU game was that, you know, I, we had dropped off the last of the things and, and like the last ties that I had to her in, the, in my whole family and like, and at home, but like that was the day before I went to LSU and Baton Rouge and like, I tell you what, Baton Rouge is a hell of a place to, to try and forget about somebody. It's like, it was a lot of fun, man. Death Valley at night. It was, it was incredible. And then the SEC championship game with, with Candler and just getting to experience stuff like that with people that you almost view as like, like I used to view 
them as our listeners, right? Our fans or whatever. And this year it was, again, genuinely the only thing that got me through to the end of the year and to now um, was, was, was these people that like genuinely cared about us. And I think so just have my mic, but like genuinely cared about us and, and, and reached out and DM me and messaged me and all that kind of stuff. I, we didn't have, we had, we opened up a hotline, Connor, to call during game days. We had one bad call the whole year. Is that a Drake thing? Yeah, it's a hotline bling. Um, I lost all the bling, but yeah, so it's just a hotline now. Um, but no, so it was just like, and it's like, a, you know, I can kind of joke about it now, but it was, it was tough, man. It was really tough to kind of put on it. My whole job is being on, which is tough to do in that moment. And um, you, our coworkers, everybody, man, I just like, it was just, was, it was just amazing. And it was uh, really helpful. And I love all you guys. I really appreciate it. Um, one day we'll see the dogs again. I still believe that it's a year of a dog. Anyway, it's one national championship. So, um, that was a highlight for me. And uh, I, sorry again for making it more dramatic, like I said, but that was, that was my year, man. That was, that's what I was going through. And that's what it was hard to like, I remember somebody reaching out after Bama lost and they were like, Oh, I bet Marlo's going to cry. I'm like, bro, if you only knew <laughs> the prep that I've had to be compared, like to compare it to like this, but Genuinely, like from the bottom of my heart, thank you to everybody. Love you guys. Can't wait for next year um, and the revenge store. So <laughs> I knew that I knew that was coming at some point. That yeah. is one of the one of the things that I, and I, I don't want to necessarily speak on your behalf, but one of the things that um, I, I think is is kind of cool about see, about you know us getting to kind of do these different things and doing different podcasts. Like mm-hmm. I, know, I know there are a lot of people who reach out and they're like, oh, you know, we wish you guys could like do the yeah. same thing every single week, and it's like, well you know, people, people eventually, you know, we kind of want to be able to, to do a little bit of different things and, and kind mm-hmm. of experiment and broaden the, the audience that much more. And I think that's one of the things that happened in this past year was being able to, to kind of continue to, to reach more and more people. And that's, look that's what we want to do. Like, look up, like, it, like, I'm not, I'm not just saying that. Like still five, eight, I'm still shut up. <laughs> You're such an idiot. Like, but look how much you've grown professionally. Look how much you've grown. Like, like the pot has grown. Like it's, it's awesome to watch, man. It's awesome to watch. And it was, like, like all, like, I mean, all the interviews, all like the, you getting to go to games and all that kind of stuff. Like it was, it just was like, you get to go to the national championship. I guarantee you, Chris from 2020 even, or 2019 would have been probably jealous or pissed about that. And it was like, this is awesome. Like, look at my friend who's, who's like growing our brand and also growing his own brand. And it was, it was cool to watch, man. I appreciate that. Of course. Yeah. I, you know, it's it, it, a year like this definitely makes you kind of appreciate all, all these things that mm-hmm. uh, maybe, maybe we take for granted at, at times. Like I'm, I say, we like, we just the big J's out there, like yeah. the, the people who, you know, they go to a national championship and they're complaining about the food spread before the right, right. Right, let's, let's, let's find a little bit more yeah. meaning in this. And, and football was fun this year. It just it was, really, right? really was, it was awesome. And um, we have, so many people to thank for yeah. being fun. And if, if nobody was listening to this, it wouldn't be quite as fun. Right. The fact that we get so much feedback. So thank you to everybody who's listened, who's participated in anything. And yeah. if you're one of those people that like, doesn't really, you know, you, you don't really engage with us, like that's totally fine too, because we, we talk for you guys as well. Like that's, right. that's the, one, of the, one of the fun things about being able to do this. Um, we, we've gone on for like an hour and a half, I gotta, which I, I know gotta, is my fault. No, you're fine. We're, we're, I think we're at like an hour and 15 right okay. now, hour and 20. Uh, can, we, can we hand out some quick awards? Let's do it. Do that? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. So I, got, I got three quick, quick awards to hand out. And I know Herb Street does the Herbies. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't really want to call these the Connies. Um, not really oh, on board with that. It's a joint thing too. It's like, so. Well, oh, these it are your own. Oh, these are your own. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll just deviate from that altogether, but uh, we'll, just, we'll just call these my awards. Um, I, they, they are all Billy Madison themed as well. So good. Yeah. I don't know why that would be the case, but okay. Yeah. Just, just felt like it. I have uh, the, I'm glad I called that guy award. Um, this is my favorite sec assistant hires of the past year. Mm. Nominees, Durante Jones, LSU defense coordinator, Liam Cohen, Kentucky offensive coordinator, and the chin himself, Bill O'Brien, Alabama offensive coordinator, you already know who the winner is. It's Liam Cohen, of course. Wow. Not just because of his strikingly good looks. Yeah, he's um, incredibly good looking. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, definitely some bias there. The doppelganger element. The doppelganger element of it certainly helped. But mm-hmm. consider this: like Kentucky, the number thirty-six offense in the country. They were one hundred eight last year. Yeah, that, that that doesn't really probably get talked about nationally, and there are a lot of people who. Like just kind of lazily, it's just you bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> I bring it up a lot. Yeah. I do. I do. Um, best Kentucky offense since 2007, which is, yeah. Which is a good year. For them too. Mm-hmm. Like very good year for him. I, I think Stoops deserves a lot of credit for that because Liam Cohen had never been an FBS play caller. This is a guy who was working with Cooper cup and those Rams wide receivers last mm-hmm. year. And he blew Stoops away with what, when they were able to, to finally, to finally meet and look like, Stoops hasn't made at Kentucky. We've talked about that a ton. And he fired Eddie Grant, who he had worked with for like eight of the last 11 years. Like they're they're boys. And he hired him back on his staff after the fact. But I I know it was bad in 2020 with the offense and they needed to modernize. But I still think we need to praise that move because job security isn't really an issue. And Stoops can pretty much have total say in these things. And I just really liked what the hire ultimately yeah. became. I think Liam Cohen's got a really bright future. Got a nice raise this offseason already. $775,000 a year to 1.1 million. Yeah. He's going to be coveted on the open market very, very soon. Okay. I like that. Um, so we did, we did, are we rotating? Sure. Alternate? Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. So uh, we did one segment early on in the year and then I got kind of happy at one point. So we stopped doing it. Um, I got happy after the SC championship, I'll be honest. But we did a segment weekly that was called like Who's Sadder Than Marler? Yep. And so the Who's Sadder Than Marler was just, it was a weekly deep dive into who was making me feel better about my life um, and where I was, you know, not just emotionally, but professionally. And Dan Mullen, you, sir, did just an incredible job all year. Like oh, yeah. just making me feel better about some of my life choices, things that I've said out loud. Um, my dance moves always, for sure. Um, so yeah, Dan Mullen was a... He was a staple this year because like, you know, Coach O made a lot of mistakes, but Coach O is one of those things too, where I'm like, if, if I ever saw Coach O, I would immediately want to go take him out for all the drinks. And I know that he would beat my ass if that ever came to a case. I, I honestly, like, I feel like I could talk crap to Dan Mullen and get away with it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not scared yeah. of Dan Mullen. So um, I appreciate Dan Mullen though, more than most people in the SEC this year, because you, sir, and your terrible demise that we all watched publicly, it kept me afloat. So Thank that you. Feeds, that, that goes right into my next one too. It's like, you're looking at I, You didn't share anything with me. I had not looked at, I promise. I know. Cause I was, I was surprised how much uh, I, I wanted to see how much you were going to, we were going to tee each other up with okay. this and you have fed exactly into this the way that I would, that I had hoped this is the, you're giving the company to Eric award. <laughs> yeah. Forget okay. that line. Um, I had a friend named Eric and he heard that from me a lot back. I didn't then. realize you quoted Billy Madison this much. And when I just said the thing about look how much you've grown, I said personally and, and, and professionally, I strictly now mean professionally. Cause I like per- personally, like obviously you're still a child 
And nothing's yeah. changed. Yeah. Yeah. It's still a 31 year old quoting a movie that's 25 years old and hasn't exactly aged. It is hasn't exactly aged that well. Yeah. <sighs> but that's all right. Um, okay. So my least favorite SEC assistant move of the past year. It's the nominees are uh, Dan Mullen keeping Todd Grantham, and that is the only nominee, and that is the winner. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, look, I said it before, say it again. You just don't bring back the guy who led the worst defense your program has had since the Woodrow uh-huh. Wilson administration. You just can't do that. Yeah. That's what I always say. I love that people are starting to do the presidential administration comparison. I'm all about it. It's the best. Yeah. I've been doing that for years. It's my favorite. So I talked to one of our listeners last night, one of my, my good buddies, Kev, he did the same thing. He was like, Oh, you know, they haven't won since the blah, blah. blah. And I was like, it's picking up. It's gotta be, it's gotta be Jimmy Carter or older. Yeah. I I think because or there's gotta be like a second or like the first Bush administration or first Clinton. Fair. Yeah. You can't do Reagan, but you can do HW. Yeah, that's right. That's very fair. Um, uh, that was good. Look, that's good. Mullen was doomed. Like when he, when he did that, we, we knew. And when I asked him at SEC media days, like why the defense never figured it out in 2020. And he responded by saying, well, you know, they were actually better in spots and what the numbers indicated Florida fans. You had to know that it wasn't going to end well. Uh, and look like, that group just had such a bad one month stretch. Like even the Vandy game, Florida got a shutout in the first half, but Mullen was like livid with the defense at yeah. halftime because they kept marching down the field. And yeah, it, you saw the cracks in the foundation. So yeah, Todd oh Grantham uh, gets the, you're giving the company to Eric award. <laughs> um, okay. I like that. That's good. Uh, here's the, um, Oh my God, you're not pregnant. I'm so sorry. Award, which is that's something you should never say to a woman. Uh, oh, that's also not why Allie and I broke up just to be very fair. That wasn't anything like it, but you, you ever seen like Brian Regan brings this up in his comedy where it's like, somebody's like, when's that baby do? And he's of like, all the things to say, right. You so, have so many things you can fall back on. Right. Why are you Don't fat? let that be one of them? Don't yeah. let that be one. Of them. So, um, so I bring that up because the most regretful thing that was said out loud this year, Lane Kiffin. I'm sitting there in Baton Rouge with our good buddies. Um, I just like Sean Larkin, <laughs> Jeremy, Nick Hallaby. We're at the same tailgate. We were at, you know, we saw the same wedding or whatever. They renew their vows as those idiots. That's um, incredible. But like, but so we're sitting there at the tailgate and I am beside myself because we're running late and Bama's playing Ole Miss. I think we're going to lose this game and blah, blah, blah. And then I get to the tailgate, Connor, and they won't turn on the game because somebody at the tailgate went to Kansas State and they were playing Oklahoma. And I was like, I will, I will like openly ruin friendships right now. Like I like I, I just you need to put the damn game on right now. So he turns the game on, and the first thing I hear and see is Lane Kiffin take his headphones off and say, Well, better get your popcorn ready. And then Mike dropped his headphones and brother, I haven't laughed at something so hard because the first half could not have gone any more anti that. And it was hilarious to watch. It wasn't quite Bama. You're next. That, that will be, Oh God. That's, yeah. yeah. That's infamous in, in so many different ways because I look like, Is that I, I honestly, like Michael Jackson. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I honestly don't think Lane had that scripted out. I, I do think that was organic. And I felt like that was him just having that, that pregame bravado yeah. adrenaline is just going through the roof. You feel really good about your quarterback. You're like, this is you what a week off. For. Yeah. And like, think, think about how like lane was, was basically like brought down and then had to like build himself back up to get to that moment where he felt good enough to say something like well, that on live okay. airwaves. 
he brought himself down at Bama and I will stand. Oh, by yeah, that yeah, ever, but like, sure. I love their relationship now, but like, I remember going into that game one, they had just beaten Tulane and they had scored like 60 something points and they'd put up 41 in the first half. Game. They were, they were, their offensive efficiency was just like, like in the first half of games, they were averaging over 30 points. They had the number one offense in total points, total yards. And, and then to go into that game, see, and I, I agree with you. I think it was organic because if he had scripted that out, he wouldn't have said it so shaky. He said yeah. it like, kind of like, uh, uh, like, like weird and, and not like how he usually says stuff. And so, but my God, it was funny. And the fact that says shout out to whoever is in charge of making mascot costumes in general, because they've come a long way. If you've ever seen not at Clemson, but everywhere else they've come a long way. If you look at like the third quarter of that game, the popcorn, yeah. B- Big Al has is it like in a giant thing of popcorn. And I was like, what the hell? How did this how did they already do this? AL.com had a story about that. That's pretty Incredible. interesting to kind of yeah. to kind of see the the origins of that. Um, yeah, that that game it doesn't really get talked about. And like Lane, like this is how good of a year Lane had. Like for a lot of coaches, I think they would have had something like that, and it would have been yeah. like really tough to come back from. And Lane just laughs it off, and within two within like two or three days, it's oh, you know, they're offering free popcorn right. at the home game next Genius. week, he, and Lane just turns it into a marking opportunity. Just refuses like, to take an L in anything. It's incredible ever. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, I have uh, the back to school, back to school award. Okay. <laughs> My favorite ICC player came back to school instead of going pro. Um, this is the last award that I have. Yeah. yeah. Uh, three nominees, Matt Corral, Smoke Monday, Jordan Davis. This was really tough. Really, Smoke really tough. Monday? I, Smoke so Monday I got a targeting call during this, this podcast. <laughs> I grew to love Smoke Monday the last couple of years because Smoke Monday is a 1995 red Corvette. Here's what I mean by that. He plays like a safety in the mid nineties, uh-huh. which you just, you don't see that very much anymore. No. He is always taking dudes heads off. Mm-hmm. He is always getting called for targeting. Of always. course, yeah. Smoke Monday getting two targeting penalties in his last college game was the most fitting thing in the world there was you talk about fairy tale endings that was the fairy tale ending to smoke monday's <laughs> career right there but much like the 95 corvette it always looks like it's going fast even when it's not smoke monday always looks like he's targeting even when he's not yeah so yeah, I, okay I, I i've been i've been sitting on that comp for a little bit the 95 red corvette that is smoke monday the comp was so, fine the quote about fairy tale endings is the best quote I have ever heard on, on any of our podcasts. That was hilarious. That was incredible. That was a, so what a fairy tale. That's, that's incredible. So smoke was weekly entertainment. So he's yeah. got to be on here for that. If Matt Corral had stayed healthy all year, mm-hmm. he wins this award for me because the Heisman. Pr- pr- there was a really good case to be made. And even after the Bama game, I remember mm-hmm. arguing like, Look, Matt Corral is going to have a really good chance to get 50 touchdowns if he yeah. can stay healthy this year. And the numbers won't ever do it justice, kind of what he did. But that guy would run through you. He was hell to bring down. He got so much better with his decision-making in that offense yeah. that he truly mastered this year. And he was he was a pleasure to watch. And it was such mm-hmm. a bummer to see him go out. It was a nightmare ending for him to go out that way yeah. in the Sugar Bowl. And then, of course, the ensuing debate after that, which we don't need to get into that. Right. But Jordan Davis wins this for me. Oh God! We've already said everything we can say about the guy at this point. I, I never got sick of watching him make those one to two plays a game where you just realized that he was a football unicorn. 
Yeah. There, there are not Jordan Davis, Jordan Davises that grow on trees because quite frankly, a tree cannot support that man. Um, I, yeah. He is the tree. He is the tree. Jordan Davis yeah. is the tree. And I, I don't know if there is a specific comp to him in recent memory. And I'm going to admit this. Heck. You were, you were way more fired up about his return than I was last year. And you were so yeah. right about that. He was, well, he was awesome. He was, and I will say he's also a guy that I think towards the end of the year, like he's great. Right. Towards the end of the year, I was like, if he, it seemed like he had kind of made his whole season based off of him running down that UAB quarterback, like that one play, it was like cemented everything. But it was, there was more than, there was more than that. There was a little more without a doubt. But it was like, once that happened, he was, it was like, it was like he was getting made in the mafia. Like once that happened, he was golden the rest of the year. Like he couldn't do anything wrong. And, and, and I only say that because you have to find maybe, you don't have to find something negative. Like, like there wasn't anything he did wrong. Like, I mean, I tell you what, man, the Jordan Davis thing, I, I was so excited about watching him. And it was, I said it after, I think I said it after the Cincinnati game. When he sprinted off the field and crossed his legs, that kid was so much fun to watch, and yeah. he and he seemed like he kind of flew under the radar all the time because there was so much of the talent around him. But he finally was like the guy, and you had other people that kind of flew under, like Devonta Wyatt, who will be a first round pick. He flew under the radar because of him. It was cool to watch, and and I'll tell you from like a Georgia sports, like I'm not a Braves fan or a Georgia fan, but growing up in the state, watching it and being around it, that kid has cemented his legacy by one showing up to a World Series game just in general. And then on top of that, like taking off the Braves or taking off his shirt and the Braves thing under it. That was awesome to watch. That was awesome That's to a watch. statue. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But that um, statue, it's a right, big statue. Right. Yeah, it's a large statue. Uh, get all the, what, what do you make statues out of? You make statues out of cement? I, um, I don't know. What? No, stone, not cement. Well, stone, yeah, cement, I guess that wouldn't really work that well. I'm not a, I'm not a big statue guy. Yeah, apparently not. Um, all, I mean, most of the statues, like in the like BC times, like, you know, in Rome, they were all cement. They had cement trucks. Before back my time. Onto it. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, my last one is the Don Henley Most Underrated Person Award. Don Henley, Ooh. I've said this my whole life. I, I hate the Eagles, but Don Henley is one of is the most underrated single musician from the eighties and maybe of all time. In my opinion, the album he put out and I forgot even what it was, but with like return to innocence, all the good songs. He's just like, he just is an incredible, incredible solo artist. The most underrated person in the sec. And we just refuse to talk about him. I'm even guilty of it because I forgot. I was supposed to make a graphic about it and totally forgot. Uh, Tyler Beatty, Tyler Beatty mm. was like, we talk about Stetson and we talk about Bryce carrying his team and Tyler Beatty meant more to that team than maybe anyone else like in the country. Like it was, and it was cool to see that they all knew the moments. Like there's like one game late, I think it was against Arkansas. They're getting beat, but it's like, they're trying to get him in the end zone or something like these yards yeah. like late. And it was, it was like that kid. I mean, I'll put it this way. I can't remember all three of them, but there was a stat they put up that was, in the past, like since 2015 or 20 something, there's only been three SEC running backs that have had four 200 yard games in a season. And they list them off. It's like Leonard Fournette, Derrick Henry, and someone else. It might have been Darius Geis. But you talk about like Leonard Fournette, who rushed for a thousand yards in three games or the first four games of a year. Derrick Henry, who put up just a statistical nightmare for defenses that entire season. Tyler Beatty had more than both those guys. And it was, he became the whole offense. And it was, it was cool to see. And that, that's just, 
because it's Mizzou, we will always underrate them and we will always overlook them as much as I hate it. But that's, that's who would win it for me. Yeah. He was a tank. I, yeah. I, I was blown away. And like the fact that he got as much work as he did for a team yeah. that really needed it. I mean, you take him away. If he had gone down with a midseason injury or something like that, it could have gotten really, really ugly. Right. I think there are, there are some Mizzou fans now who are kind of wondering like, all right, you know, we had Roundtree in year now. one, Beatty in year two. And now they're, they have, they, they just got the the transfer from, uh, from Stanford, uh, the kid yeah. Pete. Um, so we'll kind of see if and Elijah Young, I know they're optimistic about him in the future, but like he just carried the ball mm-hmm. 30 times a game. It was just they're like, forcing him to like in the passing game, even or it was just like, he hadn't ever been like a, like that great of a receiver almost or like, you know, well, he was more of a receiver coming in. That's like, right. Was, that's right. Like, he was but, more but receiver like, than a feature back. Yeah. Throughout the season, you're talking about like, that's not what they're, that's not been the MO of what the offense was built. That was not the was like forcing it for just cause they had nothing. So yeah, it was, it was rough. Um, those are, those are all my awards. You got any yeah. more? No, that's it for me too. I, I, we wanted to do the all neighbor team and I feel I like got, you're going to take the names. Lead. Do it. I I've got, got two names. and my voice is going to be gone. Okay. All right. Um, so we got to start Kool-Aid McKinstry. <laughs> that is not a neighborhood name. <laughs> that is a neighborhood name. Here's I'm going to, and, and I'm going to put bumper pool into this as well. Okay. Um, it's I'm all about guys who have names that just sound like nicknames, uh-huh. but because it's your neighbor and not your buddy, you don't really know if that's the real name. That's fair. Okay. Like so, Tank. Tank is yes. Tank would definitely qualify. Yeah. I had Scooby Williams as well. Oh yeah. Oh, there's Scooby. Scuba, I think. Oh no, what's Scooby? You're right. Scooby Williams. Yeah. Uh, Justice Dingle, the Kentucky linebacker. Is this, is Justice... this your whole list or is this just under the one? No, I, enough of those. I got, I got, I got okay. four. Um, <laughs> I've got Vito Calvaruso. What Arkansas. a neighborhood are you living in now? Hey, Vito, you know, the, the then... Italian guy who might be in the mafia, but you just don't know. You don't want to ask. If it's Vito, he's definitely in the mafia. A lot of mysterious cars rolling through Vito's driveway. Yeah. All of them, 98 Cadillac Coupe de Ville's, all of them. With large trunks. All of it. <laughs> all right. Um, Tommy Neesmith, Auburn receiver. Okay. Just everybody's got Tommy in their neighborhood. Yeah. That's just. Yeah. That's Tommy. Neighbor, neighbor Tom. Yeah, of course. Uh, Trip Wilson. That's good. Yeah. Wilson. Just like our Trip favorite neighbor. Trip, too, nowadays. Yeah. Trip's a good yeah. name. With one P, though. Not two P's in this. Oh. Because trip with two pieces is always camping for sure. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, big Patabo- Patagonia guy. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I figured last name Wilson have to include That's that. Good. Um, yeah. Shout out to Terry. Um, Fred McAfee. Oh wow, Fred McAfee. You know he retired after it was. I think he got. He's only supposed to do 30 years, but he did 34 years as the local math teacher at the at the high school, and and that's a guy that this he's meant more to this community than I think we even know. He puts on that uh, it's like a community casino night. That's a lot of fun. Everybody really enjoys and it. Vito ruins like, every year. Yeah, Vito comes in there, and Vito is just like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shake this thing dry." <laughs> Neighborhood kind of hates it. It's a little bit awkward. Yeah, a little bit of that game. That's good. Uh, Debo Williams. Oh, that was that. Wait. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. South Carolina as yeah. well. They always have a Debo. Have to. It's part. Yeah. Of, it's, it's part of the roster requirements. If you don't have a Debo, you get one on. You just find one right. on the transfer portal, Constantly, or whatever. Do right? what you can. Get yourself a Debo. Uh, last one here. Sully McDermott. What is happening? Who? Okay. You're everybody at home. You can play along with this, Marler. You need to Google his picture. 
Sully McDermott, McDermott, go to the that that sounds like somebody that Tennessee was on Law and Order SVU, and they were like, "All right, your name's going to be Sully," and like his, his real name is like Josh McDermott, and then they were like, "All right, you're going to be Sully." And he's like, "What's my last name?" And they're like, McDermott, I guess. McDermott. I don't know. Sure. I, wow. He has this smirk on his face. And tell me that this look on his face is not just, I fertilize, got the sprinkler set, perfectly manicured bushes. I got the best yard in the neighborhood. Oh, wow. How about you? Yeah, he is. He is uncomfortably confident. That's, yeah, that is not how I pictured him looking. That's good. Okay, so I was going to leave this to you completely because because part of our, uh, the new role is I'm going to be doing, heading up like more video content for us. Um, and this was one of the ideas I had, like Kevin wants us to, to, our boss wants us to do some, some reunion stuff. And I thought this would be a perfect one. Uh, and you obviously were going to carry this whole segment anyway, cause you always do. This is incredible. <laughs> Sully McDermott. The only ones I had that I was going to mention and, and say the rest were John Fitzpatrick. Yeah. I, I oh, yeah. know like three John Fitzpatrick's. He went um, to Catholic school. Um, yes, yes. He still goes to church on Sundays, but you're kind of like, ah, you know, yeah, he doesn't like it. He just likes to dress up. Yeah. Very so. red in the face. Oh yeah. Always. Yeah. Um, so John Fitzpatrick and then um, Jojo Earl from oh, Alabama. And the yep. reason why is because that's literally that both the names my grandpa goes by. Like for, until I was like 12, I was like, what's his real name? Like, why, why is, it, is, it, is it Joe Marler or is it Earl Marler? And, it, and then there was like, I remember there was like some, nobody ever clarified it. And then there was some like some plaque on the wall at their house. And it was like, congratulations to Joe. And then it said Earl Mar like in quotes, Marler. And I was like, can somebody just clarify what this man's name is? He's the only human being I've ever heard with a middle name of Earl. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. So that's, that's mine, but we'll, we'll maybe link up and do more uh, for the next time. That was, that was good. That was fun. That's that's that was fun, fun man. That was good. I'm glad we could do this. I think we hit it all. Did we make a Vandy mention on the pod? I said that they weren't good. Um, they had, I like they Mike Wright. a moment. Yeah. I, I like Mike Wright. Mike Wright's got some juice. I'm going to keep saying that this off season. I like he's Jeff Jensen. He's our only Vandy listener. He's a really good guy. He's a funny Twitter follow as well. There we go. Yeah. All right. Shout out Vandy. You've been heard. Um, We'll do, and it just meant more sometime, sometime yeah. in the next, we'll figure that out. Hopefully sometime in the next month here, we'll figure that out. Um, Got to settle on a game. I started kind of thinking about if we yeah. want to do a game from 2021 or if we want to kind of go back, you know, dig into the archives and do, do something related I'm to sure that. You're going to pick one to Bama lost like always, but we can figure it out. It's, Whoa. If we do Bama Texas A&M of 2021, just know that I'm going to have a lot of opinions on that second half. I think, I think we'll probably not go with that one. Okay, we'll, that's good. That's good. We'll let that one rest a little bit. Yeah. I'd, I'll, I'll nominate Arkansas Ole Miss. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. Oh, that would be a lot of fun. That'd be, that'd be a good one to do. I, yeah. Even after the year that Arkansas fans had, I think even they could kind of appreciate it. They didn't even seem mad about it. They were like, oh, you know what? He went for two. That's all he asked for. Bye. Like, yeah. So. Live by it, die by it. Fun Love game. That. KJ looked apart. KJ looked like that's when KJ kind of took a different step. I yeah. Think, in terms, yeah, that's yeah. fair. So maybe that would be a good game to do. Um, anything you want to plug for no, me? Um, well, just the podcast college football uncensored. Um, it's a new one. Me, and my co-host Tyler Huck. Uh, we, we, we've been doing two episodes. We'll probably get down to one, obviously in the off season, but yeah, um, college football uncensored, check that out. And then um, make sure you're keeping up with our social media because 
Um, we're going to be doing some more video content on our YouTube channel over at Saturday on South. So go follow that as well. Sweet. Leave us a five-star review. Subscribe. Mm -hmm. Subscribe to both podcasts. Subscribe to all podcasts, including Saturday Lives Forever. Join the Facebook group, Saturday Down South. Oh, yeah. I mean, I believe believe Matt is going to have some off-season projects in the works. I'm not sure if we're ready to roll those out yet, but, you know, great off-season content to go be able to to listen to all those. Matt did such a good job with those. Um, But, yeah, join the Facebook group, Saturday Down South Podcast on Facebook and be a part of all of our great content that we've got coming up in the off season. A lot of big things in the works that I'm really, really excited about. Marler, what do we need to remember? Might mean too much. Boom. Boom. We got it. All right, dude.